Happy birthday, Michelle. Aw, thank you. Are we going to tell our followers what number it is for you? Sure. Yep. I think they already knew that I was 41, so... <laughs> Maybe I'm this is their first listen. 42. Oh, own and it. And my daughter would really like me to make sure to let everybody know that our 42nd episode dropped today, February 22nd, is when we're recording, on my 42nd birthday. Wow. What does Quite that mean? Quite the coincidence. I don't know. I'm not sure, but I like it. Sure. I like when things line up like that. Yeah. So what are we talking about today? Well, as you know, because you were there... Doesn't necessarily mean I know. <laughs> That's true. We watched Framing Britney Spears, the New York Times documentary. Mm-hmm. And once we started talking about that, there's just so much to the whole cult of celebrity. Yeah, I think it's interesting that she was not the one who was involved in putting that together. Mm -hmm. But there's obviously the hashtag Free Britney movement. Mm -hmm. And it offered an opportunity from whose perspective, I don't know. But to see what her childhood and her rise to fame was like, and then now what things have been like while she's been subject to her conservatorship. I kind of had like a really gross reaction to it, sort of watching and thinking about what she probably envisioned fame and success was going to look like, and then what it actually became. Mm -hmm. And I think it's pretty clear that she has some mental health related issues. Yes, they likely were not all a result of her finding fame, but they've certainly been enhanced by all of this scrutiny. Mm -hmm. I guess it really gave me a sense of just how in your face the paparazzi are, and how you just can't do anything. You cannot make a move without being constantly harassed and stalked. And if you're already fragile mentally anyway, then I have to imagine that you just lose it. Yeah. (laughs) Which she did, obviously, a few times. Yeah. So for me, publicly, yeah, publicly, the big takeaway for me was taking a look at my own participation in that process in that culture. Are we all complicit? at least a little bit because we've helped to like feed that frenzy because people give so much of a shit about Mm -hmm. the lives of celebrities that there is a market for those pictures that those paparazzi are going for. Right. It's so lucrative for them to sell one picture. Because we all care so much. And if we didn't, they wouldn't get that money. Therefore, they wouldn't be as interested in doing it and they wouldn't be as in your face with these people. I just think that we've all contributed to the position that she's in now. Yeah. To her struggles. Yeah. I don't disagree with you, but just for the sake of conversation, Mm -hmm. playing devil's advocate, I can see where somebody, especially someone very young who's rising to fame, doesn't realize what they're giving up in terms of privacy and all of that. But I think one could argue that they are also using social media as a window into their everyday life. Mm -hmm. Instagram. That's TikTok, new, Snapchat. Yes. I know, but what I'm saying, and I'm not just focusing on her, like any young rising yeah. star, they sort of use it as a method of self-promotion. And so they're kind of inviting people in. Right. But then when it becomes overwhelming, I mean, it seems kind of harsh to say, well, you asked for it. But well, is it different because they control yes. what goes out there? Yes. 
I say yes very definitively, as yes. if I have the answer. <laughs> I think so, yes. Because before social media was a thing, they were subject to the whims of the publications, right? To the people who were out there trying to get that story of like, oh, look, she looks like shit when she went to Starbucks, like a fucking normal human Stars, being. Stars, they're just like us. Exactly, which, no, they're fucking not. <laughs> but like, I think that they actually have an opportunity with social media to start to control the narrative a little bit. And so it's like they're taking some of that power power back. They are, but they're also voluntarily giving up some privacy. But they already don't have any privacy, so they might as well control the narrative. So it's like a chicken and egg situation is what you're saying. Because some yeah. people who are not well known use those outlets to become yeah. well known. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. No, you're not wrong. I just, I think that in the grand scheme of the whole thing, like social media is new. Mm-hmm. And this was a big problem long before Instagram existed, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Uh, You know what you were saying about our participation in this whole process? Mm -hmm. I was reading that after Princess Diana was chased by that paparazzi and her Mm -hmm. car crashed and she passed away. Let me back up and say that the British tabloids are considered to be far worse than the U.S. tabloids. It's a smaller, ruthless Mm -hmm. market. They'll go to even further lengths than paparazzi in the United States will. Yeah. That's a reputation. Anyway, after Princess Diana passed away, there was not only a trial by media in the Mm -hmm. public's eyes, but also an actual trial wherein the individuals who were chasing her were sued. But the sales of those kinds of magazines declined significantly in the UK that first year after she passed away. Because the public started to realize, oh shit, we're a part of this. But just like human nature, you Mm -hmm. know, we're back. We're great at amnesia, right? Like everybody forgets and just kind of goes back to their old ways. Very short memories. That's why like when we talk about how things are going to be so different after the pandemic, and sometimes I'm like, (laughs) But I don't know. I mean, maybe they will be for like a year or something, but it wouldn't surprise me in the least if everybody just goes back to exactly the way everything was Mm -hmm. once the vaccination is widely available because it's human nature. Yeah, because we want what we want. Right. And you can feel the accountability and responsibility for things for a little while. And it's really easy to get sucked back in to something that you're interested in. Part of the thing for me is trying to understand why we're so interested in it in the first place. Right. The phenomenon of reality TV, how that just exploded. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we talk just about every week about how we watch The Bachelor and Dating No Filter, which is like watching people go on a date are under a microscope. I just have to say that's kind of masochistic, really, because it's like one of those games when you have to wait tables and you like earn points from doing it correctly, but you are a waiter in real life. Like, why would you do that to yourself? Why would we watch a dating show? And I know you're joking. I think you could say, like, why would you sign up for something like that? Mm -hmm. Right? But that's sort of like saying you brought this on yourself, Mm -hmm. which is what I think if people wanted to stretch and say the same thing about celebrities who became famous on YouTube and TikTok and their celebrity has grown and grown and grown. Oh, God, don't get me started on TikTok. (laughs) Hey, at least you don't live in a house where TikTok is a regular every day like I do. I really don't. And um, I do get to hear about it at your house a lot. You're welcome. It's quite a thing. I don't get it. 
when we watched the Britney documentary and we talked about it, it sort of struck me that I had some similar feelings to that documentary as I did after watching the Taylor Swift documentary, Miss Americana. Oh, interesting. I really liked that one, but my takeaways were pretty different, actually. It wasn't exactly the same. There were just some parallels, mm-hmm. like somebody young and talented who had this exciting potential building mm-hmm. And even before social media was a big thing, when they were very young, like on Mickey Mouse Club and stuff (laughs) like that. Star Search. Yeah. Then watching their youthful enthusiasm Mm -hmm. for their talent be turned into kind of a figurehead, a produced, kind of manufactured type celebrity. Yeah. And I think they're both talented, but what struck me about Taylor Swift that I thought was similar is that she had an idea of who she was supposed to be Mm -hmm. rather than who she really was. And they didn't even have an opportunity to kind of take that time to figure out who they are. Yeah. Like a lot of young people do. They're sort of being pushed into this mold that is designed for them Mm -hmm. as a money making machine. Like this is how you be successful. You do these things, you wear these clothes you say these things and like when Taylor Swift was talking about how it was such a big deal for her to take a stance on politics and her people and even her parents to a certain extent were so nervous about her doing that because they were like you're gonna get destroyed you know you're gonna get ripped apart and she was like this is something that actually fucking matters right you know like if I can't do things in my life that actually matter then I don't want to be in this position when I can't say this kind of stuff yeah the growing up and the figuring out who you are involves a lot of making mistakes and we all have the ability to do that without the eyes of the world upon us and all that scrutiny whereas any mistake they make is super public because of this culture that we've got and fodder for a lot of comments and sharing and social commentary. It's socialized. Completely. Yeah. So like, I get that all of this is, you know, they enter this lifestyle and they just have to take on that whole culture with it and understand that they're going to be under a microscope constantly. But what the fuck is that? Like, why do we all care so much? When did that start? Were we always so obsessed with celebrity? I don't know if I can answer the question why do we all care so much unless it's just to be entertained? But I do know a little bit of the history of tabloids before there was like the National Enquirer when you were checking out at the <laughs> yeah. grocery store. Bat boy born in a cave. <laughs> There were these newspapers called Scandal Sheets a long time ago, right? But basically, it was malicious society gossip printed and spread around. It's like Mrs. Whistledown from Bridgerton. You don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) No, but but I like the the name. The listeners probably do. The thing about these scandal sheets is that it was actually kind of a dark thing because it was pretty much the rumor mill on Mm -hmm. paper is how I interpreted it. They would make money not only by selling these scandal sheets, but also pretty much your reputation was for sale. You could buy positive mentions in the scandal sheets. Oh my God, it's exactly what happens now. You could collect suppression fees if you had some info about somebody that they wanted suppressed. You could blackmail them? Yeah, that was another thing. Blackmail, extortion... Those newspapers that were essentially gossip columns, you've got the tea on people. And so yeah. you're going to print it and pass it around. It's like passing a note at school, but for adults. <laughs> I just, I find all this so fucking gross. 
Yes, but I'm just saying this is something that has been going on long before there was social media. Yeah. No, I'm not blaming you was... for it. No, no, I'm just saying it <laughs> yeah. is gross, but it's not yeah. new. Oh, no, no, so, definitely not. There was this law that was passed called the Public Nuisance Bill of 1925. Was that here in the in States? The US, or? Yeah. Okay. Under this law, a judge could actually issue basically like a gag order and shut down these scandal sheets without having to go through like a trial by jury. Eventually, there were enough challenges to that law that it went up to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court said it's a violation of freedom of the press and Hmm. and it's invalid. So then over time, that kind of evolved into magazines like The Inquirer, The New York Post, you know, but they would just sell them on the streets. And then I think it was The Inquirer got the idea to put them in the supermarket. And the supermarkets were willing to do it because they said, whatever you don't sell, we'll buy back from you at the end of the week. Hmm. So you don't lose any money as long as you keep putting our weekly papers out. And so what a deal. Yeah, worth it because they would buy them, mark them up, and then whatever didn't sell, they'd get their money back for. Wow. In everything that I read, we've talked before about how, like, I have a subscription to people. And there's definitely paparazzi photos in there and stuff. They never went so far as to name, like, people and Us Weekly and stuff like that as that type of... Complete tabloid. (laughs) You know, like a tabloid. But it is, in a way... These magazines have intentionally falsified or exaggerated material in them. Mm -hmm. And I don't think a magazine like People could necessarily get away with that. Right. But they definitely buy the pictures. Oh, for sure. So... For sure, yeah. They're, they're spending the money on those photos, but they do have some journalistic integrity, unlike the Inquirer and that kind of stuff. Right. That's interesting. I didn't see anything about the scandal sheets, but that makes sense in terms of the timing, um, because I did read a couple things. First of all, I would like to specifically call out this article written by Stella Gia. She's the news editor, or was last year anyway, the news editor for the Prospector at Cupertino High School. How do you have an article from a high school newspaper? Because I googled this topic and this came up and honestly, she was the only one to lay out kind of the history of paparazzi as freelance photographer. And she did such a good job that I think I want to read this paragraph verbatim. Okay. So this is from an article she wrote in May of 2020 called History and Toxicity of Paparazzi. And she says, The occupation of these freelance photographers, whose role is to capture lifestyle pictures of celebrities, originated in the late 1950s when magazines yearned for more candid photographs of famous personalities, especially those that put the celebrity in a compromising position. The first photo, which accomplished just that, was in Rome in 1958, taken by Tazio Roli. His target was King Farouk of Egypt, who was pictured with two other women, neither of which was his wife. The photograph marked the beginning of an era of new sneaky photography known as the paparazzi. The word paparazzi was coined a little later by Italian film producer Federico Fellini, who created a film about the culture of Rome at the time. Sacchiaroli was included in the film under the character named Paparazzo, which reminded Fellini of a buzzing insect. Ever since the film, photographers like Sakiaroli, who aggressively worked for unstaged photos of celebrities, have been referred to as the plural form of paparazzo, paparazzi. So that's where that came from. Thank you, Stella. Um, but that does make sense. Like buzzing right? around you like an totally. annoying insect that you can't bat away. It's always there. Exactly. And then the next step in that is that in the 60s, you know, there's just one more thing in the world that we can blame Rupert Murdoch for. 
because he bought the Sun in the UK. It was failing at the time. He knew that it was not going to be able to beat its competitors on the news. And so he turned its focus to features. And because people were watching TV and movies in larger and larger numbers, he centered the attention of the paper on to the actors' lives and basically started the first real widely distributed tabloid. So hmm. fuck Rupert Murdoch for so many reasons, but that one also. Yeah, just add it to the list. Yes. So all that comes on the heels of, you know, centuries of people revering gods and saints and leaders that people would literally follow around to kiss the ground that they walked on, right? And now they follow boy bands. <laughs> I mean, is that even still a thing? Boy bands? I feel like that was us in the late 90s. <laughs> I don't know. The Jonas Brothers. I mean, there's yeah. always some kind of boy band percolating, I think. Speaking of the late 90s, mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about that video that I showed you the other day with Lindsay Lohan and mm. David Letterman. So yes. it's from 2013. And it was right before she was going to check in for... Um, well, she was going to check into rehab, but I don't know if it was court ordered or if she personally chose to do it. I didn't look into it that deeply, right. but she had clearly like had an incident or gotten in some trouble, which has happened more than once. So I don't know which incident sure. it was, yeah. but she was going on his show to promote a movie. And he immediately starts pelting her with questions about going to rehab. She's pretty composed. And I think that he has some history with that as well. And so maybe he felt like he was at liberty to ask those questions maybe. because he's gone through something similar. I don't know. But she very clearly said, this is not something I agreed to talk about. Right. He kept poking at her and asking her uncomfortable questions. She was kind of laughing and making light of it. I mean, she handled herself really well. But then she said politely, listen, I'm here to promote a movie. That's why we agreed that I was coming on the show. Can we please keep it positive and talk about the movie? Despite that, he can't let it go. Right. And he has this whole list of jokes that he's going to make about her written down with questions. And he says, I want to ask you a few things. And he picks up his notes and she says, well, can I see that first? Because obviously none of this has been run by her. Right. And so she very assertively takes it. I mean, she doesn't rip it out of his hands, but he hands it to her. And she says, no, we're not doing any of this. I didn't agree to this. This is mean. Mm -hmm. I think she actually said. And yeah. she's like, I'm not doing it. And he's like, oh, come on, let's just do one. And it's like, Jesus fucking Christ, you know, like, leave her alone. And it's so hard to watch now. Yes, she got in trouble. Yes, she was having to go to rehab. But it almost felt like he had her on the show and kind of tricked her into, right. hey, come on here and let's promote your movie. And instead, it's like, well, we're going to make public fodder out of you and talk about going to rehab and your issues and poke fun at you and make fun of you. And it's like, she's a fucking human being, you know, That's like the thing. The fact that they're famous does not make them fair game to be the butt of your fucking jokes or the reason that you make money off talking about them. And as it turns out, it actually does. But that's fucked up. Like the fact well, that, that that's particular true is particular situation was so unprofessional. Because yes. I don't claim to know a ton about how it all works behind the scenes in the entertainment business. But it has always been my impression that before a celebrity is interviewed, there's sort of an agreed upon yeah, off limits everything's, terms. Everything's vetted. This is what we're going to talk about. Right. She was clearly told, yeah, come on here and let's promote your movie. Let's talk about your movie. He didn't want to talk about the movie. He just wanted not. to talk about her going to rehab and her issues and her problems. And she told him multiple times to stop. 
and he just couldn't let it go. And it's just awful. Like, because she's a young woman, he thinks he has that power where he can just push and push and push her. Well, and that's really indicative of the way that a lot of these female celebrities are treated in the media, because there's all these things that people seem comfortable asking them that they would probably never ask of a male celebrity. Right. In the Britney documentary, they showed snippets from an interview with, was it Diane Sawyer? Mm-hmm, I think so. Yeah. The questions that she was asking her, I mean, are you a virgin? Are you like, whose fucking business is it? Well, and then the irony of that is that she was so villainized. And yet Justin Timberlake mm-hmm. escaped that whole situation without a scratch. Who really. came out and threw her under the bus, actually. Absolutely. Made a video about her, used a Britney lookalike for the video. It's, um, it's a great song. And- <laughs> I do like it's that song. It's a good song. song. Yeah. When I saw his public apology to her and Janet Jackson. Just recently, right? After the documentary came out? Yeah. I couldn't help but automatically think clearly his people came Mm -hmm. to him and said, listen, you don't look so good right now. You're not being portrayed very well in this documentary. So it would be best if you would come out and apologize and all this. I mean... It did not feel sincere, the timing of it coinciding with the documentary. Sorry to be cynical, but I highly Mm -hmm. doubt he sat down and watched it and then felt some kind of way like, oh, I should really apologize. It felt very like his handlers told him, Mm -hmm. this is what you should do. For sure. And maybe he actually is sorry, but it's too little too late. You know, I remember right around that same time, you know, Colin Farrell was the bad boy. And there was all these stories and pictures of him like partying all the time and out with all these girls and drinking and everything. And it's like classic example. He was revered as Mm -hmm. the bad boy, the young, wild people were like, oh, shucks, Colin, you know, you're at it again. But then if girls do that same kind of thing, they're like a piece of trash. They're unstable. They're... Yeah. I mean, it's the age old fucking story. Think about high school when like the guys on the football team would score with a chick and they everyone's like high five and yeah, you're such a pimp. Yeah, you're a player. All right. Good job. And then that same girl that he had fucked supposedly because a lot of times what they said was not true. Mm -hmm. You know, that girl was a slut or any other pejorative term. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I lost my virginity before I did. I didn't even know. I was like, oh, how was I? Apparently, I had sex with three guys over one summer. Oh, I was very confused for a minute. I was like, what? No, I apparently, uh, the rumors going around were about the three guys that I had slept with. I'm not sure if it was all at the same time. I don't remember. Get it, girl. I mean, right? Okay, <laughs> now I'd be into it. But yeah, I came back my senior year in high school and discovered that over the summer, I had done that. And I was like, oh, was wow. I good at least? I mean, okay. That did not happen. It totally reminds me of that movie Easy A. Yes. That Emma Stone is in. It's a good movie. And so because she's being branded a slut, even though she didn't actually sleep with this guy or whatever. Also, fuck that word, man. Absolutely. But I just think it's funny how she's just like, oh, okay, well, if you guys are going to call me this, then I'm going to get something out of it. And so she starts helping guys' egos by spreading rumors that she fucked this guy or gave this guy a blowjob or whatever. And they're all like paying her like some of them. (laughs) like I only have this gift card I didn't know that was an option I should have made some money (laughs) 
But it's really hilarious. And it's kind of like the modern day, like Scarlet Letter, yes, you know, exactly. But she's like, okay, well, I'll play the slut. And she just shocks everyone with like what she's wearing, how she behaves, but she's not fucking anyone, right? She's just creating the image that she is to help these guys build their mm-hmm. reputations and making a bunch of fucking money in the meantime. Yeah, it's just such a double standard all the way around. Yeah. You know, there was a somebody in that documentary that talked about they had worked with boy bands forever and ever. And they said, I've never seen any guy in any of these groups treated the way that Britney was and like subject to the same level of scrutiny and judgment and all the mm-hmm. rumors. And we're just not we. I mean, women. <laughs> Me and my celebrity. Not yet. <laughs> we're getting there. Still looking for that Prosecco sponsor. That's just right. putting it out there. <laughs> but we're not held to the same standards. It's bullshit. So I have a question. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I wrote down this statistic. Every minute, 300 hours of videos are uploaded to YouTube and 5 billion videos are watched every day. I think this was in this article that talked about social media influencers. Yeah. And how influencers, that can be their job. (sighs) People that... have feelings about that. Sure. (laughs) I think a lot of people do. (laughs) Despite all of this stuff that we're talking about, people still go out and seek that attention and that publicity. Mm -hmm. Even like shows like The Bachelor, you know that they edit the shit out of that and they intentionally try to put people in situations where there's going to be drama and they intentionally edit people so that they look bad. Yet people still by the thousands try to get on that show. I mean, Mm -hmm. what do you think? I feel like people's obsession with celebrity is not just an obsession with seeing and learning about celebrities and their lives, but also with becoming a celebrity and getting all that attention. Like, what is that about? I mean, I think that there's just something incredibly alluring about that life that feels inaccessible, but that makes it special. And so people want it. Don't you think? I think people like to feel special. I think people like attention. I think beyond Instagram and TikTok and all of that, I think that Facebook and a lot of those platforms where you get to put pictures and videos of yourself and your family and your life and get comments. I mean, that's all attention. That's Mm -hmm. all people giving you some kind of gratification about who you are and your life and what you're doing and validation. Yeah. Yeah. I've always struggled with that idea a little bit. You know, I'm a Facebook user. I'm on Instagram. For whatever reason, that to me felt more personal. Like these are people I actually know that might want to keep up with my life. And here's pictures of my kids and that kind of stuff. For me, I'd never really been able to wrap my head around Twitter as just like a regular person. I can understand reading it, Mm -hmm. you know, following certain people, news outlets, whatever, Mm -hmm. but that there are just regular human beings that post a lot, trying to get a lot of interaction with the world. Like Mm -hmm. it's that same exact thing that trying to get that validation And I just never, for myself, I was like, I don't know that I have anything, you know, interesting enough to say that anyone's going to give a shit. Like my commentary on stuff is not that exciting, except now I'm doing a fucking podcast. So what am I talking about? But, (laughs) you know, I don't know. I just, for whatever reason, Twitter was, I couldn't get my head around it for myself. Yeah, I think all of these platforms have lurkers too. And I don't say that in a negative way, but like people who like to see the content. Totally. But not necessarily try to be center stage or Mm -hmm. the star or whatever. 
I don't know. It's a way of connection and humans like connection. That's true. But connection is different than attention. Yes. I do think that there are a lot of people that really want that validation. Yeah. The cult of celebrity in itself is defined as the tendency of young people. I don't know why it says young people. It could be fucking anybody. But to idolize and imitate the actions of the famous. You know, that used to just mean... I mean, way, way, way back in the day, it was kings and gods and all that shit. And then in more recent history, it was actors and musicians. And now it includes reality stars and fucking TikTokers, you know? And people that are famous for being famous. Yeah. I mean, I can understand getting really wrapped up in paying attention to an individual because of their talent. You yeah, know, their, totally. Their music or their yes. acting skills or their athletic ability or whatever. I could see where you just like want to watch and pay attention and absorb that talent. Yes. The whole people that are famous for being famous. Like the Kardashians. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand that as much. I mean, I've watched a shit ton of reality TV. It's funny because you watch it and you're thinking to yourself, this is complete trash, but I can't stop watching it at the same time. You you like hate watch it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. That's the mystery. I mean, of course you can love to spend your time observing someone's talent, but when somebody doesn't have a talent. Yeah. And they're just famous because they're famous. Like, what is so enticing about that? I don't know. You know what really fucking messes with my head is all these people who make millions of dollars on YouTube by unboxing things. (laughs) What the fuck is that? They literally, like, order something from a store and then they open it. Right. And they film it and people watch it. (laughs) And who gives a fuck? I don't understand. I don't either. (laughs) This is funny because this is going in a different direction than I thought this episode was going to go. Mm. Because when we talked about doing it, we were focused on the way that celebrities are treated and kind of like the concept of celebrity. Like, why do people feel entitled to information about them Mm -hmm. and access to them and entitled to pushing their boundaries? And we have talked about that, but it's also kind of evolved into this. What is fame? even really about or Mm -hmm. for anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's all related. There's so much of it that I can't understand and so much of it that I am trying to take a look at because I definitely have contributed in the like, I'm paying attention and I want to know what Max Frost is doing today. Nobody knows who that is. You should all go look at Max Frost. Obsession. His music is amazing. You're all going to love it. I do like his music, but you are like a teen fangirl when it comes to Max Frost. It's like me and a lot of 15 year old girls and that's (laughs) fine. It's fine with me because he's very talented and I've seen him three times now. And I was with you once on I Capitol know. Hill, remember? Where were we at? For Chop Suey. Chop Suey, that's right. Yes. That was good. I mean, it was really he's fun. He's amazing. I do like his music very much. Yeah, I don't remember who opened, but they were strange. <laughs> yeah, real odd. They were weird. Anyway, I'm just saying there are people who I definitely follow and I'm like, ooh, what are they up to? Mm-hmm. But, but again, it's his talent. It's the talent, yeah. He's also pretty hot, so there's that. But yes. He's also a baby. He's okay. He's in his late 20s. (laughs) No, I thought he was younger than that. Maybe mid-20s. I don't know. I'm not trying to do anything basically, you could be his mom. Oh, my God. You are a horrible person. I thought you were going to say whore. (laughs) Well, that's different. But yes. (laughs) Touche. 
anyway. Sorry to burst that bubble for you. Do you remember what happened to Alicia when she was doing that influencer's oh, hair? yes. We can't say his name. I forgot about this. Alicia, who, if you're a frequent listener, you definitely know by now. She's been a guest on, what, three episodes? Three episodes. You know her, you love her. She's a stylist. And her brother is good friends with a pretty popular social media influencer. They grew up together. They're buddies. And this guy was in town. And Alicia's brother went and saw Alicia to get their hair done. And so I believe he posted a picture of of Alicia doing his hair, or maybe it was like a before and after, I don't remember. But anyway, he tagged her. Yes. All of the sudden, just because of that, she got hundreds of followers. New followers. Messages. Somebody found her phone number to her salon and called and asked her some questions about like pricing. It was a female. And then Mm -hmm. asked if she could talk to this individual. And Alicia was like, what the hell? Like, Yeah. And tried to get his number from her. Yeah. You know, then she'd see all these posts after the fact that mm-hmm. was like, oh my gosh, Alicia, you're so lucky you got to touch his hair and stuff like that. Oh this, God. It was just like amazing oh. the attention and energy that was devoted to her social media because this one young guy posted a picture of her cutting his hair. It, it's insane it's, to me. I yeah. do not understand. There have got to be so many people who have stuck a toe in these waters and gotten the fuck out. Even if they spent years in it and then they were like, you know what? Enough. Who are some people that left? Oh, like that cute little spotlight. girl from Mrs. Doubtfire? Mara Wilson. Yeah. She left the industry. She's great. She decided that she was going to go basically because once she hit puberty and she wasn't that adorable little girl anymore, then she wasn't the typical 95 pound stunning actress that was being called into audition for parts. She wasn't getting anything. And then when she did read for roles, the title of the character would be like the fat girl or something like that. And she was like, this isn't good for me or my psyche or anything. So she just left the industry. And then I think she's like in comedy now in New York or something. She's She's a writer. Yeah. I've seen a little bit of commentary from her over the last year or so. She seems like a cool chick. Like... I'd like to hang out with her. Yeah. There are also some stars that I know have left the industry for a few years to go to college because they wanted that experience and that education Mm -hmm. and then came back into the industry, which is risky. Like who? Like Julia Stiles. Mm -hmm. I think Jonathan Taylor Thomas did that. Maybe Natalie Portman. She has a Ivy League, I think. Yeah. Education. Hmm. I know that a couple of years ago, Cameron Diaz bounced. Yeah. She's she, all done. She was like, done. Mm-hmm. She recently became a mom, right? A yeah. A year or two ago. I think I saw it was December 2019. You know what I think is funny is that she's so hot. And for years, so many dudes are just drool all over her. Mm-hmm. And she ended up with Benji Madden from Good yeah. Charlotte. <laughs> Who seems like a really cool guy, but he's also like a pretty average looking dude. (laughs) I just think it was unexpected. And a lot of people were like, wait, what? Yeah. Well, just goes to show you. It's not all about looks. Right. Who else? Who else left the industry? Rick Moranis. Remember him? Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. He had a weird voice, right? Yeah. he was. As a a kid, he always kind of creeped me out a little because of his voice. Oh, really? Well, he was in Ghostbusters. He was like the, was he the key master or the gatekeeper? Shit. I can't remember which one he was and which one Sigourney Weaver was, but goddamn, that's a great movie. I don't know. His voice scared me. 
<laughs> but yeah, his wife actually died of cancer. And after that, he was like, I'm, I'm done. I got to raise these kids. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Meghan Markle. <laughs> Meghan Markle. I mean, bless her. Yeah. That whole situation. That's the whole, the British media being so much more intense than here. Right. Yeah, she was an actress, a celebrity who was no stranger to media. Right. But even going over there yeah. was just way over the top. I mean, she ended up suing them. Mm-hmm. And that's a different kind of celebrity we haven't really talked about. The, the royalty. Whole, yeah, the royal yeah. family and the infatuation with them. And I just cannot believe how judged Harry and Meghan are for making the decision that they want to live their own lives and have their own careers and raise their own family and people just think that they are horrible for doing that (laughs) it's like i haven't what what decade do we live in again right i don't know anything about any of that because i do not pay attention to royal news they are being ripped apart in the british press i mean people just think it is right terrible that he has left the royal family and I'm his sure. duties. And, you know, he is like seventh in line to be the king or something like that. So then deal with that when you're, you know, maybe when you're the second or third in line and you need to think about it again. Yeah. Then think about it. But like, yeah. let the fucker live his life. Right. I just, called, I just called the prince a fucker. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So sorry, Harry. And Harry and Meghan are starting a podcast. Did you know that? <gasps> they are? Yep. I would listen to that. I think it's already started, actually. Okay. Check it out. If they need any tips, Harry and Meghan, just give us a call. Give us a shout. We are clearly (laughs) professionals, as evidenced by all those sponsors we have and all the money we make. Still have some vacancies, (laughs) once again. Come on down. The British media, I read something that talked about how basically so much of their kind of more sensationalistic reporting contributed to Brexit. Oh, really? Yeah, just like, you know, Facebook really contributed to our bullshit here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that happened in part because of all that sensational reporting over there, all the tabloid journalism. I don't know enough about it to really say, but I read that somewhere, so it must be true. God. (laughs) But I can't imagine personally being someone who wants to be so in the public eye. Well, that's funny, because I was just going to ask you, knowing what you know, would you want to be famous? Like, think about all of the positive things that come along with that. Sure. Not, Not just what we've been talking about, but does it balance each other? Does one outweigh the other? Like, what do you think? You know, I think it must, or people wouldn't do it. Maybe. I don't know. I I don't know. I think it might be one of those things that you don't ever fully understand until you actually are immersed in it. Yeah. And I think there's probably quite a pull towards that opportunity and, and money talks. For sure. Mm -hmm. I think also, in addition to the lack of privacy, it would probably be really hard to know who your real friends are. Oh, absolutely. That's why I think so many of these professional athletes marry their high school girlfriends Mm -hmm. or or these women that have been their long-term girlfriends from growing up. Yep. Because they don't know how many of these other women are just going to come after them for their money and their status and their fame. Yeah, totally. 
And how do you meet a normal girl in that situation? Or guy? I don't know. I have no idea. There are so many people that want that fame. I would like the money that comes along with it for sure. (laughs) Yeah. But there's got to be a happy medium in there. I could be like, you know, like a moderately famous person, like a character actor who always looks different in every role that I play. And therefore, when I'm just on the street, no one would recognize me. Like that would be the goal. Jennifer Goodwin, she, she wears a wig in every role, I think. She has like super short hair. She does, but she has such a unique look, like recognizable face. Like I would recognize her. But there's the whole 15 minutes of fame thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And I didn't know this until we started reading about this. That actually came from a quote that's attributed to Andy Warhol. Did you know that? Mm -mm. So supposedly he said, in the future, everyone will be world famous for 15 minutes. And... It has kind of become his most well-known statement and led to the whole 15 minutes of fame concept. But as it turns out, he likely didn't actually say that. Well, who did? According to this article from Smithsonian Magazine by Rachel Neuer, she said that the original quote seems to trace back to a 1968 brochure that Warhol distributed at one of his exhibitions in Sweden. But according to an art critic named Blake Gopnik, it could have been Pontus Hulten, who was a famous curator in Europe, who coined the phrase. But I guess there are some other people that say that a painter named Larry Rivers said it or a photographer named Nat Finkelstein. Finkelstein himself says that he made the remark in reply to a comment that Warhol made about everybody wanting to be famous. And apparently Finkelstein said, yeah, for about 15 minutes, Andy. And Warhol himself even admitted in 1980 to never having said it. So Hmm. I didn't know he was supposedly the one that said it. And now I know he wasn't all in a day. I'm glad we cleared that up. I know, but yeah, now everybody else knows too. I don't think I would want to be famous, but I think in my youth, if that was presented as an opportunity, I probably would have been like, oh yeah, that would be awesome. Oh yeah. I mean, I had dreams of being a rock star for (laughs) most of my life. You are a rock star. Thank you. (laughs) Fucking right. But I genuinely, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, well, I want to be an architect or a rock star. Well, I want to be a fashion designer or a rock star. Well, I want (laughs) to... Or a rock star, whatever it was. Uh That was just always in my head. And there was no reason for it to be. Like, I didn't even know that I could sing at all until college. She is a karaoke champion, just so you all know. Speaking of karaoke, I used to do a song by Don Henley called Dirty Laundry all the time when I was at karaoke. Do you know that one? No. It's very relevant to all this. Oh, okay. So we'll have to, like, post a video. Unless you want to just sing it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh. I don't want to just sing it. It's saying we make money off people's dirty laundry. There's a lyric at the end. Dirty little secrets, dirty little lies. We got our dirty little fingers in everybody's pie. There you go. There you go. Totally. But I mean, I love that song, but it's completely... The bubble-headed bleach blonde comes on at five. She can tell you about the plane crash with the gleam in her eye. It's interesting when people die. Give us dirty laundry. Like, that's the whole song. It's, yeah. And it completely applicable. Yeah. Anyway. That's all the concert you're getting from me tonight. (laughs) It was quite good. Thank you. You still got it, even at 4-2. Even at 4-2, when I haven't been (laughs) able to sing anywhere but my shower for a year. I think you've kept up just fine. Thank you. Well, I think, you know, just like we always talk about in this podcast when we're talking about destigmatization or Mm -hmm. just like exploring new thoughts, what I would really hope out of this is just that people do the same thing that we are, which is just sort of think about it a little more. Yeah. 
think about the concept of celebrity. What do you think that means in terms of why it's important to you? What kind of behavior do you think you personally have displayed that sort of contributes to these types of situations? I mean, I'm not like shaming anyone. No. It's just, it's just something that makes you think, like when you watch a documentary like the Britney Spears yeah. one. And that's part of it, too. It's like you think you know all about someone. Right. But number one, you don't. And number two, whatever negative behavior you see from that person, it's quite possible that, you know, that behavior can be attributed mm-hmm. to all of our constant scrutiny Yep. Of that person. Yeah, like when she shaved her head, the big moment where everyone's like, oh my God, she's lost her mind. Yeah. That, at least according to this documentary, the way that they framed it, what I took that to be was a big fuck you to all the people who were constantly trying to take her picture. Right. It really felt like she was just like, you know what? Fuck off. You're not getting what you want from me anymore. This is what I'm doing. And then it was not long after that she kind of went after one of the paparazzi with the umbrella because she was so fucking tired of them being all up in her shit, in her way, constantly on her. That's got to be so fucking scary to have them in your face all the time. Am I remembering correctly that that incident happened on a night where there was conflict over whether she could see her kids too? Yes. Yeah. So there she was, was something else going on in her life. Emotionally distraught. And, you know, she can't even like have a moment to be right. in that place without like, Brittany, Brittany, picture, picture, my, 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 you know, right. like. So no wonder she got pissed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> She's certainly not the only celebrity who's done that. Absolutely not. No, but the idea that like, it doesn't matter what you personally are going through. You owe everybody your smiles and your fucking, you know, shining light. Like, yeah. no, she's a fucking human who was going through a really hard time. And so she lashed out. I probably would have too. Same. Yeah. Okay. This is one of those topics and conversations that I feel like we could go on about forever. 100%. But we have to celebrate your fucking birthday. Obviously. Because so tonight, I'm the fucking celebrity. So. <laughs> There's so much attention and gifts that need to be <laughs> oh, showered upon you. We need to well, leave some time for that. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. So okay. let's let's start the first of many cheerses for the night. After, of course, you talk to everybody about paying attention to us. That's right. I know. You guys, make us celebrities, please. (laughs) But only a little bit. Only like a moderate celebrity. And like enough to get a Prosecco sponsor. Yeah, we just want someone to send us Prosecco. That's all we want. That's a goddamn bottle for every episode. (laughs) And we will say your name. We will pimp the shit out of you. So if any of you out there wanted to get me something for my birthday, you know what you could do <laughs> is you could go and rate and review and subscribe wherever you listen. What a gift. <laughs> or you could just send Michelle a happy birthday email to cheers at ProseccoTheory.com. Sure, that too. It will be over by the time this airs, but I'm sure she would still love to read your message. I will celebrate my birthday as long as those emails keep coming. I'm fine with that. Also, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ProseccoTheory. And uh, on that note, Megan. Cheers. Get out of here. Cheers. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. you.